Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We're excited you're here (laughs) watching or listening. This is our third start, Um, (laughs) and we're happy. It's going good. All right, we're about to jump into this new section of the Book of Mormon. What month is it even right now that people are listening to this? We hope you're having a good summer. Yeah. Um, and the life's going really well. Hope you're loving the Summer of Heroes. We keep waiting for summer here in Utah. You know what someone called it yesterday? January. That oh. is what it is. It's freezing here. It's not even summer yet. Yeah. We're celebrating the Winter of Warriors, like you said, with everyone down under. Is that who's yeah. celebrating? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? And now I get it. And then I was so distracted by January. I was like, this, of course, comes out of the same culture that events all those things at Christmas time, you know? <laughs> Hope you have a poppin' new year and it's popcorn, <laughs> you know, all those things that okay, are... Well, meanwhile, it's freezing <laughs> right now. Remember when summer was 95 degrees in Utah? It hasn't been. It's about to be when you listen to this, we hope. Okay. Um, all right, Alma 36 through 38 is the section that we're on today. Um... And this just kind of, we enter into like a, like a, almost like this, uh, I don't know what you say. It's a like a commercial. Council. Yeah. Oh, what? Um, well, I mean, it just breaks <laughs> off of the story is what I meant by that. <laughs> okay. He's having a commercial. I love this moment where this dad is like, boys, come here. We sit down. I'm yeah. just going to talk to you for a minute. And it's neat to see like how Mormon puts it in, how he introduces it. So go back just a little bit into chapter 35. Where it says, starting at the very end of 35, Mormon introduces this little section that's actually going to go from 36 to 42. So today's lesson and next week's lesson. But he says, Alma was so grieved because of the iniquity of his people for the wars and the bloodsheds and the contentions, which are all going to continue once we get into chapter 43 also. Remember, um, that fight with the Zoramites is going to initiate all the war chapters. So it's just this commercial from all of that. (laughs) But he says... um, Having been to declare the word or to, uh, among all the people in every city and seeing the hearts of the people that are waxing cold and offensive and blah, 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 blah. 16, it says, therefore, um, which is a word that means because of or due to that, he caused that his sons should be gathered together. And that is the word I want to use instead of commercial. Don't yeah. say commercial anymore. I, I meant love... a commercial from the war, but <laughs> okay. say what you're going to say. I, I love that it is same. this gathering in moment, which is so interesting because we're having one of those right now. Um, it's just this like, okay, let's pull back out of everything that is going on and come back into the house for a minute. And for some reason, we get this little peek into Alma's house. On that, um, you know, that night or however long it took him to talk to those boys. And you just see these intimate conversations of a dad and his boy as he goes through each of their stories. And I love that we just get a picture of that because it makes me think to myself, am I remembering to do that same thing? Therefore, he caused that his son should be gathered together, that he might give unto them everyone his charge separately concerning the things pertaining under righteousness and do you just love that that he's like and for you this and for you this and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's so good it's neat that it's just like it's been these big sweeping like cities and nations and everything and then you get to see not alma the prophet but alma the dad yeah and he's just like almost like oh all of this is reminding me how important my role is as a father to take each of you one by one. Yep. It's so neat. So the yeah. first son, so neat. Uh, we'll do two of the sons today and then a third son um, next week. Uh, but the first son is Helaman, um, who he's actually going to pass down um, kind of the the charge of the people and the scriptures and all that. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, remember, Helaman's the one that he left in charge when he went on mm-hmm. his little mission. And he took with his the two other, other boys. The two other boys with him. Um, but he talks to Helaman. And the first thing he does for Helaman is he recounts his own um, conversion story. Uh, which is really interesting. Because you start to wonder like, what's the best advice to somebody who's about to be high priest? Mm-hmm. 
mm. is is a conversion story, a story of coming unto Christ uh, and maybe helping other people have those same experiences. Yeah. It's neat that it's to when you consider what role he's about to take, why is he going to tell this story? Um, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago when President... Oh, Holland. Maybe that was a prophecy. Yeah. Um, when Elder <laughs> Holland takes the... <laughs> remember you had the Book of Mormon up and he was talking about um, just the power of the Book of Mormon and he said it's it's teeming with um, uh, like Hebrew literature and, and poems and mm-hmm. all these things that really smart people... We read the Book of Mormon we're like, this is such good words, but man, underneath it, it is a beautiful book of literature and one of the things that we like in chapter 36 is there is this um, type of Hebrew poetry you may have heard of before that's called a um, chiasmus. We're about to get um, really smart right yeah. now, everyone. This is like an English lesson just for a second, but it's going to make you love this chapter so much more. Yeah. And it's neat. It was, I think John Welch is the one who first kind of discovered in the Book of Mormon that this was something that was happening in biblical studies that people were finding that ancient people used this unique type of poetry. And then he thought, well, if it's in biblical writings, it certainly must be in the Book of Mormon. And he printed this great paper on it. I think he discovered it as a missionary, if I remember right. Really? Just, that yeah. is so Isn't awesome. That cool? Do you um, want to explain why you yeah. would do it like this? So, and then we'll move out of the way of the board in just a minute so you can get a screenshot. But let's. this is how you normally would do a chiasmus that? in that, that triangle shape or that V um helps you actually to see it better because what you're looking for is the climax of it is going to be what happens in the very center and then every other thing should match to its counterpart so you start reading in and you'll see an a b c d e f g h and then you come to what is the climax which will be that i and then usually that is repeated twice in two different ways right next to each other isaiah does this all the time and then they back back out um, by going H G F E D C B A. Who knows how to say the alphabet backwards? <laughs> well, you just did. <laughs> and um, and the, it'll come back out. So it's super fun when you watch this one because you get it's you puzzle it together and you'll be able to look at both and be like, oh yeah, that verse actually does say the exact same thing in a different way than that verse does as you're going through. So this will be a fun game to do with your kids. Yeah, to try and match up. We gave you the verses here or you can the see them on the board so, and so for a cheat sheet it. if yeah. you want. Um, it could be more complex than this. This is just the simple version. You might find more that actually matches up in it. But the point is, like Emily was saying, that the beginning point and the end point match and then the second point and the second to last match and the third and the third to last match. Um, and the style was designed. Well, let's just show you some of them so yeah. you can see. Yeah, that's well, so If fun. you start at the beginning one, verse one, he talks about, my son, listen, Inasmuch as you keep the commandments of God, you prosper in the land. Now you go to the very last verse of um, this chapter, this particular chapter, where he says, Inasmuch as you shall keep the commandments of God, you will prosper in the land. Um, And so you see how they match up. And let's do one that's kind of a hard one. Because there's one where, um, like G. Let's look at... um, Oh, and this one's my favorite one. Okay, good. Let's look at G. So you can see what it looks like in both. So in 14, he says, um, Yea, I had murdered many of his children, or rather led them away into destruction. Yea, and in fine, so great have been my iniquities, that the very thought of coming into the presence of God did rack my soul with inexpressible horror. Okay, that's the first one. The matchup is 22. Yea, methought I saw, even as our father Lehi saw, God sitting upon his throne, surrounded with numberless concourses of angels, in the attitude of singing and praising their God, yea, and my soul did long to be there. So at first read, you'll be like, well, wait, those don't match at all. Because one, he has horror about being in the presence of God. And in the next one, um, he actually longs to be in the presence of God. And so the match there is... The presence of God and what we're learning as we as we come out of this is how he was changed through this um, process so you'll that's a good one just so you realize what you're kind of watching for as you're going through why is it your favorite oh I just love that phrase that he's just like how different he was after that he was like the very thought of being in the presence of God like like was horrible to me and then after his encounter with Jesus, 
He says, then I longed to be there. And it's just so powerful how opposite those are. The last half of this, really, most of them are are opposite of what the first half was, which is, it's neat to see that it's like, this is who I was, but it is not who I am anymore. And And it was after that experience that the two eyes that you'll see, he saw one Jesus Christ, and he had the experience where he said, Jesus, have mercy on me. And it's a beautiful lesson, actually, on grace. We talk about this a lot, where we talk about um, Jesus will meet you where you are, as you are, but he doesn't intend to leave you there. And in this moment, we see um, Jesus meeting him where he was and as he was, right? Where, right where he came from. But, but from that moment forth, he experienced the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, which allowed him to go through a transformation process. Um, and we watch him come out of that and go through that process. And it's just a beautiful example of what grace looks like, that enabling strength that comes as we believe in Christ that allows us to transform and become who he sees in us. Yeah. I love that um, in that moment, that middle moment where he says, like, I, I'm racked and, and harrowed up. Those are, um, you might want to look up a picture of those. They're, uh, they're farming tools, um, what a rack is and a harrow and what they're used for. And, like, it's actually super, like, descriptive what he's saying about, like, oh, how awful he felt. Um, I love that he just says this. I remember that my dad used to prophesy about one Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's part It's so too. neat that here he is sitting down with his boys and the thing he's emphasizing is are those truths that his dad had taught him. And and I, I, who knows how often his dad had taught him to him and it wasn't working. You know, the dad may <laughs> yes. have thought like, oh, I don't even know why this is worth it. But in that moment of trouble, he remembered his dad's belief in Jesus Christ. And in 18, he says, then my mind caught hold on that thought like but so many times before it had just passed by him and i love that whatever his dad taught him mm-hmm. he knew that even as i am in this place i can still cry out to him i don't have to hide from him i can cry out yeah uh, that's for mercy so good. and he meets him that's i just that's just beautiful so you will find so many powerful phrases throughout this chapter um as you look at it again Let's just emphasize this, that the whole point of the the style of poetry, first to actually remember, some people thought it was used so that you could remember all the points, you know, but it is meant to point you to a single most important like principle or truth. And in this one, it is um, Jesus Christ and and his mercy, Um, which is cool. So have fun with that whole chapter. It's just so beautiful. And we do want to pull one verse out that we love, and then we're going to kind of see repeated. Actually, two. So if you'll turn to Alma 36, two and three, one of the things that is so true, and it's interesting because have you ever noticed when you look at a prophet, um, you can kind of look back and be like, what was that prophet known for? So President Monson, what would you say he was known for? One-on-one? Yeah, the rescue, oh, okay. rescuing the one, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I this felt like I was on a quiz. <laughs> you are, because I'm about to do another one. Oh, and shoot. President Hinckley would be... To be good? And temples. Oh, Have you temples. ever not, oh. not gone through and looked at all the prophets and been like, what kind of was the message well, I felt like of he their was just optimistic. ministry? Wasn't it optimism? Yes, he loved optimism and the bees. You probably want to say the bees. But um, he was known for building temples. And <laughs> President Monson was known for going after the one. And one of the things that I love about Alma is he loves to talk about remembering the times when the Lord has delivered you. It is a theme of his ministry. He talks about it over and over again. And a theme of the whole Book of Mormon, right? Where it almost seems like this is... Yeah. Um, But he constantly wants to tell his followers, remember your deliverance. He says it so many times. Somebody really should go through and mark down how many times he teaches that principle. And he's going to do it right now with Helaman again. And I I just, we just got to say, I hope that that is a consistent like theme of of your life also yeah. like remembering put, the yeah, deliverance yeah I, I i think it's one of the most powerful parts of sacrament mm. um is i think it's that's one of its central purposes is every single week don't forget the moment to remember your deliverance yeah that's be so be re-centered good. in that every week 
Um, and that's exactly what he's going to say. I would that you would do as I have done. I just love that he's like, listen, I know you're tired of me saying this, but I'm going to say it again in remembering the captivity of our fathers. For they were in bondage and none could deliver them except it was the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And he surely did deliver them in their afflictions. And you love that he just goes right back to the message of the whole Old Testament, right? Which is deliverance. And then he says this, and now... O my son Helaman, behold, thou art in thy youth. Which I love thinking about this because we know who Helaman is going to become. And we know what he's going to do. And we're about to jump into everything he's going to write. And he becomes a powerful general and just an amazing man. And I love thinking of him just this teenage kid just sitting there talking with his dad. We don't know how old he was, but I just love when he's like, you are in your youth. Um, it's just this kid who has no idea what's in front of him. And therefore I beseech of thee that thou wilt hear my words and learn of me. For I do know that whosoever shall put their trust in God shall be supported in their trials and their troubles and their afflictions and shall be lifted up at the last day. Um, it's so interesting to me that he chooses three words to describe trials um, that just one wasn't good enough that he wants to talk about trials and troubles and afflictions and um, I thought about this many years ago that I was like why did why did he give three different things but then um, one of my friend's daughters was asking me a month ago she was like what do you think why those three different things and I don't know that anyone has ever talked about that but as we read through here Alma's going to continue to talk about these trials and troubles and afflictions um, over and over again. And as he talks about them, sometimes he's talking about conditions that come to us um, from mortality. Um, sometimes we want to say it's what, it, what happened because we came, because we chose to eat the fruit. It's cancer and it's um, health issues or mental issues or things that just come because we're in mortality. The things that God allows to take place in our life. Um, he talks a little bit later in chapter 37 about afflictions. Alma says um, there are afflictions that came because of choices that the people had made and therefore afflictions came. So something that we bring upon ourselves, And sometimes we run into troubles that are um, things that others bring upon us. And maybe those are the three things that Alma's talking about. Sometimes it's just what God allows to happen because of mortality. Sometimes it's because of choices we make that cause those afflictions to come. And, and sometimes it's troubles that come because of choices other people make um, that come into our life. And to think about all three of those things and how does God support us in all three of those areas. Well, it's just interesting that the same solution is there for all three of them, mm -hmm. like to trust in God. And I was just thinking as you were talking that why would somebody not trust in God and all three of those things happening actually could cause you to like doubt the character of him. Because things are allowed in mortality, you might ask the question, why would you ever allow that and turn your back? Yeah, it's those two questions. Is God good and can he be trusted and, and how do we get out of that place? What if that's the place you're in? How do we get out of that place? Yeah, and even like then if, if I'm the one who brought it upon myself, I think my temptation might be like, oh, God wouldn't want to talk to me right now because of the things that I've done. Like I, I mm -hmm. won't go to him. Or kind of like that first one, if someone else is doing it to me, you might ask that question again. Why is God allowing other people, you know, to do this and to everything? So yeah. all three of them really can lead to a person distrusting God and his character. So it's powerful that it's, that he's like, the last thing you want to do is run away from God in times of trouble. And I you, you love that he's going to teach that so well in um, chapter 37. Um, because he says to him, oh, remember my son. I'm in verse 35. Chapter 37, verse 35. Oh, remember my son and learn wisdom in thy youth. Yea, learn in thy youth to keep the commandments of God. And then in verse 36, he says, yeah, yea, and cry unto God. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it's, yeah. yeah. And cry unto God for all thy support. Yea, let all thy doings be unto the Lord. And whithersoever thou goest, let it be in the Lord. Yea, let all thy thoughts be directed unto the Lord. Yea, let the afflictions of thy heart, affections. affections of thy heart, be placed upon the Lord forever. And then this verse that is so familiar to us, 
Counsel with the Lord in all thy doings, and he will direct thee for good. Yea, when thou liest down at night, lie down unto the Lord, that he may watch over you in your sleep. And when thou risest in the morning, let thy heart be full of thanks unto God. And if you do these things, ye shall be lifted up at the last day. And I think that might be some of the most powerful advice I have ever received for times of trial and affliction and adversity is um, to, to sit down and counsel with the Lord through that place. And sometimes the answer comes immediately and sometimes the answer comes in years of counseling back and forth with the Lord as you go through that process. And, and for me, it's that counseling process that actually brings the healing for me, I don't know if that has been true for you, but it's it's um, not being afraid to question, not being afraid to talk about how much it hurts, not being afraid to say um, where you've been wronged or you feel like, um, you know, it, it's even just pouring out the why is this happening to me? That's all human nature. Those are the places that we go. But as we counsel with God, he's going to help us rise up out of that into the place where we can then ask the question, what should I be learning from this? And how can I become better out of this? And and we have to remember, God is gonna allow us to go through the weeping and questioning moments. He allowed Joseph to do it in Liberty Jail. Um, the other Joseph of Egypt did the same thing. God is patient with us as we go through that crying out of the why, but it's through the counseling together with him that we come to understand the what and the how. Yeah, and how unfortunate if a person thinks um, that I can't approach God in moments of doubt or in moments of pain, um, because I think like he would not, like he would encourage us, right, to come to him with our questions, with our doubts, even with our wonderings about his character. Yeah. Because through that counsel and kind of struggling through that, that's when like real authentic relationship happens mm, that's so with good. him. And that's what I, that's what he's after. He's not after us getting everything right. He's like, yeah. I want relationship with you. So let's, it's that let's phrase in Isaiah it. that I love so much when he says, come reason with me. Let's reason mm. together through this. Um, I love how approachable God is that he doesn't set limits on what we can or can't ask or, or what we, um, how we counsel together, that he's like, come come, sit down with me and let's walk through these things together. And I think it's important to remember that that is the character of God in scripture. And sometimes accidentally, like these things aren't like said from the pulpits of our churches or in classes very often. And it almost makes us feel like that's not allowed in the it's part of the faith journey you know to say and like, maybe because those moments are so sacred and so vulnerable that people don't often talk about that that crucible moment you know yeah they, they talk about and then how I came out let me tell you about that I think we have to remember everybody has that that crucible moment that leads you into counseling yeah with be, the Lord yeah because you trust only grows in places of trial, affliction, mm -hmm. and trouble. Like that's the only place that trust is or forged. Is right is yeah. in those places, and so people might be hesitant to share it because it's personal. Hopefully, they're not hesitant to share it because they don't think it's allowed um, in a faith journey. And mm. it's like it's crucial to a faith journey to ask why, to well, doubt, and to you struggle. love that um, thinking about the refiner in that moment and it is in those intense moments of heat that he is there you know watching and that process and making sure it goes exactly right even though it's the heat of the of the fire or the trial or whatever it is but that he's right there with us every step of the way yeah this this super important yeah we love that and part. i like that he just connects them together you know where like in 36 where he just says you'll be lifted up at the last day yep. is the is the promise at the very end of that. Um, when I read that, I just think, oh, if I'm going to ever be lifted up, it means that God expects times when I'm going to be down. Like, mm. if that's the promise, you will be lifted up. That means that, oh, that's that the so falling good. wasn't a... Um, Unforeseen. Right. Yeah, it was part of the process. Right. Um, 
I One of the other things that we love that we just want to spend a little bit of time on is when Alma talks to his son about these holy scriptures that he has been responsible for, for this whole time. And now he's going to hand them over. And do you ever have those moments where you've handed something over to one of your teenage kids where you're like, um, like, for example, Grace was just going to drive my car somewhere. I was just about to say, Jack just got his permit. So what? <laughs> yes, Grace is close just going to drive my car somewhere that I was a little nervous because it was up a big dirt road. And I just don't know if she's good at driving on dirt roads. And so as I gave her the keys, I was like, okay, listen, don't go faster than this. And if you see potholes in the road, this. And like I went, she just looked at me like, Mom, I'm 21 years old. You know, but I'm like, And then you said, that's the problem. I don't know. If you've ever driven on a dirt road before, I don't know. And so I can just imagine Alma as he's like handing these over that he's like, this is the keys to my car. You know, that like these are precious to me. And worth something and i don't want you to ruin everything that i've just done here so <laughs> let me talk to you about how you're going to take care of this thing and um i love that he starts out he's going to mention it three different times which is um, one of our favorite parts of this chapter he starts out in um one and two he says helaman i command you that you take the records which have been entrusted with me and I command you that you keep a record of this people according as I have done upon the plates of Nephi and keep these things sacred, which I have kept, even as I have kept them. For it is for a wise purpose that they are kept. And we love that phrase, keep these things sacred. Um, just think of that phrase for a minute because there is so much being said in that one phrase, keep these things sacred. He says it again um, in 16. But if you keep the commandments of God and do with these things which are sacred according to that which the Lord doth command you, if you must appeal unto the Lord for all, for you must appeal unto the Lord for all things whatsoever you must do with them. Behold, no power of earth or hell can take them from you, for God is powerful to the fulfilling of all his words. And I love that that hints so much to exactly what Moroni told Joseph when, remember, when he, when gave, he gave him, him the, the plates. same yeah. plates and he, and Almost word for word, this exact phrase is what Alma says to Joseph. If if you will just um, keep them and protect them and keep them sacred, they won't be taken from you. And then um, at the very end of this chapter in verse 47, he says, And now, my son, see that ye take care of these sacred things. And we love that thought of how you take care of these sacred things, but also what Alma is going to teach about the sacred things. So maybe let's go to this part first, and then we'll jump into that other perspective. Um, as he's talking about the Holy Scriptures in 37, verse... Well, um, let's see this first. We have right here a little spot for to oh, go yeah, to the Bible so Dictionary good. on holy and sacred. These words are so similar to each other in language. Um, to be holy or sacred means to be set apart. For sacred things. For holy, a certain yep. purpose, Hol right? Um, the Bible dictionary exactly says to be holy is something that was set apart for a sacred purpose. Um, which is such a neat word because you start thinking about temples are set apart for a sacred purpose. But also we are meant to be holy, which is set apart for a sacred purpose. And the same for these plates. And when you yes. look at it, like you might, if you were an observer, like watching it with like it on mute and he's handing over like the plates, mm -hmm. like in a really tender, like careful way. Like we were talking earlier, I had this friend of mine mm -hmm. who I was in his office and he knocked his scriptures off of his desk. <gasps> and right when he did, he was like, <gasps> and he went and he like grabbed him and like he took him and he actually kissed him. <laughs> and he put them back on the desk and I was like, oh, well, that was weird. One, that you kissed your scriptures, <laughs> but I'm into it. And, and second, I was like, oh, that was so instinctive that he was just like, oh, these are, you know, and so really cute. special. Yeah, yes. they're just like, these are so special to me. But what's interesting is if you're watching on mute and he handed it over, you were like, oh, I know why. Because those are made of gold, you know, and those are like treasures. But that's not the sacred purpose they were set apart of. Mm. The reason you're going to see Alma so intense about it and Moroni so intense with Joseph is because what they will be used for. It's not their actual like them hmm. themselves. It's what they're used for. And watch in all these things that it has to do with people. 
Every one of these has to do with what the scriptures are going to do for people. And that's why they're so yeah. important and, you and, do, and why you they're think a treasure. about they're irreplaceable because of the story they contain. Um, stories that would have been forgotten if they hadn't been saved there. And do you ever have, I can remember, um, have you ever had this moment happen before where I can remember in elementary school um, coming home and I had this thing that I had made in art class and that I loved and I had worked so hard on and it just ended up in the garbage because what if mom saved all everything from all art classes we wouldn't even have room to live in our house <laughs> and but it, I saw it in the garbage in the laundry room and I was like oh, I was so wounded do you ever have that moment where you were like wait do you know how long I spent on this thing um that I do think there was part of that too where he was like you are a teenager and you might not yet understand how precious the work that has gone into this mm. is and the stories that are contained here. But you will after you've written several <laughs> things, you know, but you might not understand yet um, just how important it was um, going to be and um, how sacred and how holy they would become to Helaman, but also they would become to each of us. And I love that he says, let me just try and explain to you why they are so sacred and so holy. The same way that I took the time to try and explain to Grace, and I'm sure you're doing that same thing right now, that he does sit there for a minute and says, let me explain to you why. And it's so awesome because in verse, um, we're going to start in verse 8. And then um, we've given you a couple other verses, 44 and 47, that we want you to just list what was... Um, so important about these holy scriptures and in verse 8 um, he tells us um, it, it's been wisdom that these things have been preserved and the first thing he says they have enlarged the memory of this people um, which is so important it's just there's no way they could have remembered everything God had done to deliver them if somebody hadn't taken it down so you love that part of the purpose of the scriptures is to enlarge our memory so we know the goodness of God um, second, it convinced many of the error of their ways. Um, it just helped them to know this is the right way. This is the right path. This is the guidepost. This is the direction. In case you don't know, here, this, this could help you to make sure you don't go away. You don't want to go. Um, I love this one. It brought them to the knowledge of their God unto the salvation of their souls. It just, it gave them the knowledge that there is a deliverer who will save you. Um, that's what his promise is, the salvation of your soul. And who doesn't want to hold on to that? Yeah, I noticed this yesterday that in verse 9, also with the connection with that, he kind of gives that as a synonym to repentance, which I've never noticed before. He said, these records and words brought them unto repentance. That mm -hmm. is, they brought them to a knowledge of the Lord their God and to rejoice in Jesus Christ their Redeemer. Isn't oh, that such that's a neat synonym to repentance? Yeah, almost right? a definition of right. repentance. What if you described it as that? Repentance is whatever brings you to a knowledge of the Lord and, and allows you, you to rejoice in Him. Right. That would be what repentance actually oh, is. That's the best definition ever. I know. Thanks, Alma. We need um, to write that in permanent marker on the fridge. <laughs> what if I did that? Greg would be so mad. Or you might rejoice, yeah, like it says. Maybe. Um, if you go down, now we've had these, and you might find other reasons. What is it that scriptures do for people? Yep. Yeah, um, and in the verses in between. Because there, I, as I was going through, I was like, oh, we should have said this one. Like this the one, one about bring one. to light. Yes. And like, yeah, yes, there's, there's so, so many, many other things. You're going to find more, but we just gave you a spot for five. You pick whichever ones you want. 44, it says, um, talks about the word of Christ, which pointed people on a, in a course to eternal bliss. Yeah, I um, love that word too. Right. It's, Can we which call would exaltation eternal bliss? <laughs> right. Who doesn't want to go there? Um, on a straight course to the promised land, it says, and, and that is what they do. One thing that I think is um, a little bit, mm, uh, when I read that, I was like, but they didn't go in like a, a straight line necessarily. And yeah. so... I don't think we ought to be confused on this. And, and one of the things I just want to bring up, I've been thinking about a lot recently, is how often wisdom and counsel come up in this chapter about mm. the scriptures. And I think it would be unfortunate if we thought of the scriptures as a rule book for the right way to live life. 
instead of wisdom literature that we're supposed to go into and then it becomes kind of a springboard into like this counseling like to call scriptures wisdom literature has been such a helpful like um Phil, I, I, I don't even know a word to use. Um, it's been so helpful for me in my study of them. Yeah, that, like, it's so good. And I love that as you look at it, really, it's not saying we, none of us are going to make a straight course. Um, and some of us are going to have a less straight course. Like I love, my mom used to describe my sister, Sarah, who is so, she's the happiest person you've ever met in your life. Hopefully she's watching today. Um, so happy so creative she just her mind is so creative and my mom would say if you were going to do a beginning and an end right here sarah would get to it like this <laughs> she would eventually get there but that's just how she would get there that's how the course of her life would be and i love that what this actually says is the compass would point a straight course always. The compass would. The Liahona would always point the straight course. The reality is none of us, except for Jesus, are going to take that, that straight course. Our journey is going to look more like this just because we're learning, because we don't have all the wisdom. Why right. we need right. wisdom literature, because somebody has to set the straight course. But then we have to be patient enough with ourselves to realize ours is going to look like this. And that's actually why God gave us a savior and why we receive grace through the atonement, because that's what's going to help us in all of this to get where. And this journey we're... looks more like a person to me yeah. instead of a, a robot. Yes. And I, I just don't think that God intended us to be like, nope, this is the I, like experience life and like. Well, and sometimes you're not going to know. And, just, and sometimes yeah, I'm only going like, to give you the next right step. And then you're going to take 15 others. And then I'm going to be like, okay, here's the next right step now. And then um, right. it's, we're being tutored, right? Yeah, we're, and, we're going through a process of becoming. If it was as easy as getting from A to B, I don't know that we would have even needed to come down right. and experience right. mortality. Yeah. Um, there, there's a learning that is taking place along the way and I and love I, that. And I think it's great that if you can, if scripture can become a springboard into wisdom, right? Where mm -hmm. we're just like, it's going to be a springboard into that counseling with the yes. Lord instead of what should I do with my yeah, son? Yeah, not a checklist. Right? Yeah, what should I do with my son right now? Let me see if the answer's in here somewhere. And it's like, no, God's like, I want you to come to me in counsel because you'll even find contradictory information in scripture, right? Like the Proverbs, you know that one spot in Proverbs where it's like, um, <laughs> you, you don't should... even know what to do with Proverbs I know, ever. it's like this one time it's like, you should beat your kids if they're naughty. And the next one's like, never beat your kids or you'll ruin them. And you're kind of like, what? <laughs> what should I do? So it's like, the spirit. Yeah, it's That's like, why you need exactly. the spirit. It's like, yeah. it's wisdom. The it's spirit's gonna, wisdom. It's going to help you discern what is the part I need for me right now. So we've done enlarge the memory convinced of errors, bring to a knowledge of God, point to the promised land, give us the clear path, give us the straight path, knowing... Or at least the destination, yeah, right? What's the destination? That we're going to do this on the way there. And then um, the last one is going to be in verse 47. Um, look to God and live. That's what those sacred things are going to help us do. And as you think about this lesson um, and you go through... Um, we loved the thought that as Alma was teaching Helaman how to take care of these sacred things, which were scripture, we couldn't help but think about how Alma or how Helaman might have taken this advice and looked at so many other things in his life that were sacred. Um, because of this summer of heroes, and we just keep thinking about these stripling warriors. And when you think about Helaman, a lot of times we think about the stripling warriors before we actually even think about his responsibility to take care of plates. But we love the thought that he took care of those boys with the same um, counsel that Alma had given him to take care of these plates. And see if you love this. We both read this on our own this week and, and thought about this this way because Alma in verse 16 and 17 is talk of 37 is talking about the plates. But as we read it, both of us had an experience where we were like, oh, you could also think about 
those boys, right? The stripling warriors, when you think about this council and how this tutoring of how to take care of sacred plates also helped him learn how to take care of sacred boys at the same time that it applied um, larger. Um, think about this in terms of those boys. If you keep the commandments of God and do with these things which are sacred, according to that which the Lord doth command you, for you must appeal unto the Lord for all things whatsoever ye must do with them. And behold, no power of earth or hell can take them from you, for God is powerful to the fulfilling of all his words, for he will fulfill all his promises which he shall make unto you, for he has fulfilled his promises which he has made unto our fathers. And we just love that thought about... Um, what you should do with these things which are sacred. And maybe it's plates and maybe it's your children and maybe it's the people in your calling. Um, but just how um, God would have us respond when he hands us those things that are so sacred to him um, and what we do with that. And and every time I, you know, think of that concept, as particularly as a dad, I love that line where it's like, here, take care of these children um, and no power of earth or hell will take them from you mm. for God is powerful to the fulfilling of all his words and all his promises and there are there are the promises that he makes to Abraham Isaac and Jacob that be, can be renewed with us and that's one yeah. of them is I you will not lose them oh, that's right so and good. it's just neat to think of oh take care of these so he's actually our hero for the week Helaman and um, the scripture is Alma 37, 47, where you look at where he's counseled to take care of these sacred things. And that's what our phrase is, take care of these sacred things. And we want you this week to think about what are the sacred things that God has entrusted into your care? And what does it mean to take care of mm -hmm. them? You might want to use that parable from oh, uh, uh, oh. Elder Bishop Burton. Was no. it? Howard Burton? No. F. Howard Burton. Was it? I promise okay, that's what yes. it is. Um, <laughs> you might remember this from conference where he talks about the silverware set, the parable of the silverware. Yes, we love it so much. So you might want to look that one up and read it where you, if you want something to last. F. Burton Howard. Oh, well, You see, were close. You had just, all the right things in the wrong order. Yeah. It's I fine. Just, He's doing this. Yeah. He's just <laughs> that's my, that's doing my this style. Y'all should know by now. Yeah. Um, Eternal um, Marriage, F. Burton Howard. It's April 2003. Oh, it is such a good example of um, taking care of sacred things. Yeah. So this week you might pick something where you're like, uh, where you choose to like take care of it or, you know, but make sure that the lesson of like, what is it that God's actually given to us that's sacred to take care of? Um, okay. Before we move to the last chapter, we just want to talk really quickly about what we call the Leahona Principle. Um, and it's um, it goes back to that straight course that the the job of the Leahona was to paint a straight course. Those um, it, it told us those needles were going to always just show the right way to go. But it's so interesting because God gives a this is what this could look like, and then He knows we're going to enter in um, as human beings immortality and try to go through it and what that's going to look like, and. Um, and he's going to talk to us about what that relationship looks like. This, this is kind of what he's going to talk about right here. We're in Alma 37, and he's going to teach us this in verse 40. It did work for them according to their faith in God. So the, the Leahona was going to work according to their faith in God. Therefore, if they had faith to believe that God could cause those spindles, should point the way they should go, behold, it was done. Therefore, they had this miracle and also many other miracles wrought by the power of God day by day. Nevertheless, because those miracles were worked by small means, it did show unto them marvelous works. They were slothful and forgot to exercise their faith and diligence. And then those marvelous works ceased and they did not progress in their journey. This is such an interesting lesson and let's just, we want to um, unpack it for a minute. Because we love to talk about grace. It's one of our favorite things to talk about and how Jesus Christ will meet us where we are, as we are. And through his grace or his enabling strength, we are able to accomplish everything that he has in mind for us and we're able to become. So a lot of times people will say to us, well then, um, what is faith and works for? 
and and where does that fit into the picture along with what is happening with grace? Um, a lot of times we talk about grace is what helps us, um, is what enables us to have salvation. It is a gift that was given to us that enables us to have salvation. But Alma teaches us a really important principle here. Um, and it is this in 41 when he says, they forgot to exercise their faith and diligence or their faith and works, you could say. When they forgot to um, exercise their faith and works, what happened? They didn't progress. That's what happened. They were stopped in that progression. They were stopped in that transformation they could be experiencing through grace because they didn't have faith or works. And um, in my scriptures, I wrote down faith and faith plus works equals progression. It's not that we're earning our salvation. It's that we are on this um, process right here that we're trying to obtain exaltation. And exaltation is becoming like God. That's what right. we're doing um, in this life. And that is a process of believing in Christ, of giving our faith to what he has taught us, to this little map that he's given to the Leahona and walking it every single day. If Nephi and his family had stopped walking, if they had stopped following that compass, they would have just stayed where they were forever. Um, they'd still have salvation, right? right. They'd still um, have life, but they wouldn't be in the place God knew they could have been had they not followed the entire way to the end. It's the greatest blessing. Faith and works is what leads us to God's greatest blessing that he has, his greatest promise that the place that he has in store for us. And we love that grace is what allows us to, to do this process and still maintain the course. Yeah. If we just separate the difference between salvation saved from death and sin and the fall and exaltation which is becoming then you can kind of see where they you know where it fits into that right it's just like my someone asked like why are then why are you you know why do you do all these works why are you doing all these things you know it's like well one it's out of love for him mm. and and second because i want to be someone better i i want to be Right, I want to become, and and that's he shows us the path and how to do that. So so good. We love this. Um, this is a great thing to put in, um, just on your study on grace and then salvation and exaltation and um, kind of what we'll learn all through Scripture about those things. Um, okay, should we go to thirty eight? Oh yeah. So just to wrap up, um, we felt a little sad for our friend in chapter thirty eight, Shiblon. Because Helaman just gets this great emphasis, and then you kind of watch his story, and then in next week we're going to talk a lot about Corianton, and because he's a little bit naughty, so he gets some attention, <laughs> and so you're kind of like you forget about this poor middle child. So this is a this is an ode to you, Jenny, the middle child. My Jenny was a middle <laughs> child, so awesome. you know, like what about those forgotten middle kids, you know? And uh, he's kind of just this unsung hero in there, and we love. To take a, a minute to just know that, you know, Alma, the dad, cared just as much as this boy mm -hmm. and and just the things that you see in here, you know, toward him. Yeah, I love that in um, 38, 3 and 4, we get a little, um, like, window into, remember when we talked about the dream team and when they went over and they were going to have that missionary and we don't really hear very much about that what experience. Yeah. yeah, we don't know. But there's just this little window right here where he says, I say unto you, my son, that I have had great joy in thee already because of thy faithfulness and thy diligence and thy patience and thy long suffering among the people of the Zoramites. For I know that thou wast in bonds. Yea, I also know that you were stoned for the word's sake. And you did bear all these things with patience because the Lord was with thee. And now you know that the Lord did deliver you. Remember, that is the thing he just wants his boys to know. And I love that we get to see that little window that when they went in um, that dream team, it wasn't an easy process. They were stoned for what they talked about. And um, they had to bear all those afflictions with patience. Um, and they were in bonds. But just how neat that he was. I watched you go through that and you you did good. Yeah. You know, you did good. 
Um, steadiness like is the word that he uses for him in verse two. He was yeah. just like, because of your steadiness. And I love that, that steadiness can look like this also, yeah. right? Because you just keep, you just keep, what's that in verse five? Keep trusting in God yep. and you'll be delivered in your trials and troubles and afflictions until you're lifted up. That same concept, like whatever the journey looks like, it's going to be different for everybody, but what can be the same is that we keep trusting God throughout that entire yeah. and journey. And I love that he reminds us with this in verse 9, there is no other way or means whereby man can be saved only in and through Christ. That's it. That's how salvation comes. And But if you want the becoming process, then you enter into to faith plus works and you're going to have progression. You're going to be able to go into that place. I love too, at the end of this chapter, verses 10 through 15, is such a great little mini discourse on how to be a great teacher. I love, it's such a self-check of where you are at. And I love that he says to him, as you have begun to teach, even so I would that you should continue to teach. And then he's going to walk down and talk about, this is what a good teacher looks like. They're diligent and they're temperate in all things. And they're not lifted up into pride. And they don't talk about their own wisdom or their own strength. Um, I love when he says this, use boldness, but not overbearance. If, if there's something you believe, you be bold about teaching that thing, but, but don't like scare people you know right. <laughs> he's like you be passionate about your testimony but and, um, and i was thinking like in context of this for the first time ever just yesterday i was like some of these are kind of temptations for the good kid yeah who's been super steady and faithful that they might accidentally yes that could actually become a hindrance yep. you know and i love that he's emphasizing first don't you forget that it's not your steadiness that's saving you it is Jesus. Mm. And now when you teach, yes. make sure that you don't do this, and, you know, and this, and this and, is good, but yeah. you know, don't let and it you become love a... when he talks about like, use your talents. And, um, I love when he talks about just be filled with love. That is such great advice mm -hmm. for a teacher and don't get lazy. Don't get like, just because you have that gift, don't you get lazy or think you're better or than think other you're better. people. Yep. Um, I just love that. And I love when he's like, now now go, my son, and teach. That's what I want you to do. Um, I love the thought of that counsel from a dad. So those were our favorite parts. Of that one. So many yeah. good yeah. things <laughs> here. You just don't know what's going to be in these chapters, but so many good things. Yeah. Okay. So, Have a fantastic see week. See you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.